Yeah, do you think we have anything funny at the beginning? No, and we don't have to be funny. Ruth? I was kind of like we don't always have to do a cold open. No. We could just start it with the music sometime. Nor does it have to be funny. Well, no, you're right. It doesn't have to be funny. It just has to have like a tagline. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Josephine. How are you? Yeah, good, thanks. How are you? Moderately well. Excellent. Uh, welcome to My Favourite Musical. It's a podcast about musicals. Yay! Yay! This is Ruth. That's Josephine? Yes. I said it as if I'm Ruth, but I'm not. You're Ruth. I'm yes, looking correct. at you. This is Ruth yeah. in front of me. Correct. Um, this is episode 51. Is it 52? I think it's is 52. It? Yeah. Oh, my God. I know. I'm sorry. I'm pretty sure it's 52. <clears throat> this is episode 52. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a wreck. Oh, I'm a total be... wreck because today was the last day of teaching. That's exciting. Of the school year. Yeah. Like like I'm done. Well, not done. So I've got tomorrow though, it's this random day at school where we, which is a fun day and like barely any kids come in. Something like 10% of the school comes oh, in. Oh, really? And we set up these like like carnival attractions on the oval. Oh, that's fun. And so for half the day they do that and the other half they go down to Aquasplash. Oh, nice. So I'm supervising Aquasplash. Although the weather is not great at the moment. Well, I think it will be cancelled, but at this stage I'm supervising Aquasplash and all the year 11s and 10s are like, we are going to annihilate you. And I'm oh, terrified. Like you have to go in? Well, I don't have to go in, but I was like, well, it's Aquasplash. But now that I, I may hurt myself. I will say Aquasplash takes place at the Gosford waterfront and I worry about the... Um, have you done it before? No, I've never done it, but I worry about how clean the water is. Once you once you have to fight for your life, you worry less about the water okay, quality. Right. Once you have to, like, scale a plastic inflated, like, mountain. Yeah. Yeah. It's quite fun. Oh, that's it's, awesome. It's, what I noticed, because we've taken Reagan a few times, is that, like, the bigger you are, the more difficult it is. Yeah, right. And, like, the more sort of distance you have to fall and I was just covered in bruises by and the also end. like getting back up is hard right? it's difficult yeah, yeah because they're all like big pontoons so you've yeah. got to like hoist yourself up onto these yeah. things and because there's like general public not tomorrow there'll just be teenage boys everywhere so don't go to Aquasplash tomorrow <laughs> no. but um it's quite rough like people are just like jostling for yeah it's full-on yeah wow and a lot of them are actually like combat games I've, uh, I've never gone because I avoid the sun at all costs. <laughs> well, tomorrow will be perfect, although the UV index is still supposed to be That's 13. Right. I still have sunscreen on today. <clears throat> Everyone wear sunscreen. Re- wear sunscreen all the it's time. It's the best thing you can do for your skin. Reapply it. Make sure you wear enough. You're yes. not wearing enough. I know it. No. <sighs> anyway, uh, before I get any further yes. in, can I please acknowledge the traditional owners of the land on which we are recording this podcast, the Dark and Young People? We would like to pay our respects to their elders past and present and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people listening. Indeed. Yes. And you have an apology, don't you? Do I have one? Well, yeah, we, we, you were the one talking about the Music Man song. Yeah, but I was correct. You were the one who said it was you oh, got trouble. that is true. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, you're, sorry. When I say an apology, you have you you know what the song was oh, we were yeah. talking about in the last episode. Yeah, in the last episode. Yes, <laughs> I did say it was the wrong song. But I, to be fair, I've never seen The Music Man, the film, or the stage show, so I have no fucking idea. In our um, in our Sondheim episode, we were talking about how Sondheim was credited with the first rap on stage being in Into the Woods, in The Witches, yeah, like, in the prologue. in the prologue. And actually he disputed that and said that it, it occurred in The Music Man. And we had this little on-air argument about which song it was and I couldn't remember. Ruth thought it was You Got Trouble and I said I'm sure it wasn't that and it wasn't. One of our lovely listeners corrected us. It was Rock Island, yes. right? 
um, which is the opening number. And in the film, it's like the three guys on the train having a rap. Josephine's looking at me like I will know what she's talking about. But as I just said, I've never seen the film, nor yeah. have I ever seen the stage. So I don't know why I thought I was an authority on which song it was. I'm mainly talking to them. Yeah. But, yeah, you were you were like, no, it's You Got Trouble. I'm like, it's not. Like, I'm sure it's not. <laughs> it's the only song I'd, I know. I know till that was you. That's it. I don't like that song. Wait. Isn't that Music Man? Isn't that Carousel? Oh, I don't fucking know. Anyway. No, like let's let's clear this out. <laughs> You talk about that was you was written by Rogers and Hammerstein, wasn't was it? it? If I am wrong about this, then the foundations of of my musical knowledge are very. We will come back to that. Okay. Um, While you are doing that, oh, can we talk about West Side Story? Yeah, as in <sighs> the film. So, well, before we get into that, because this is, I'm going to preface this. Okay. Since we everyone last listened, I've had a baby. <laughs> oh yeah. I keep forgetting that you. I have a five week old baby called Charlie. Yay, Charlie! Uh, he was born. Um, he was born uh, a bit early, and it was a bit of a, a bit of a surprise in the end. Uh, but he is here. He's yeah, no, no it's you're from the absolutely music man. right. It's the Music Man. Till there was you was from the Music Man. Everyone, uh, we I both always, just googled it at the yeah, same yeah. time. Yeah, yeah, and I get it. I always get it mixed up with um, uh, you'll never walk alone. Oh, I don't okay. know why. Um, it's yeah. Shirley. It's the Shirley Jones thing. They both sing. There's ah, no excuse. Right. Okay, it's um, I'm a fraud. So yeah, so have a baby. It's all going very well. Yeah, um, he's awesome. He's an awesome baby. Um, but so now it's like, oh, what are the things we actually want to like leave the house for? Right. Like we have to prioritize those things. I love that this is now like, I've already decided that there's no reason I ever want to leave my no, house. True. You and, have a legitimate and, and excuse. And to be fair, my husband, Andrew feels the same way, yes, right? Yes. Yes. Uh, he's happy to stay home for anything now, but then it's like, as like movies and stuff come out, oh, like yeah. for example, I do not care. He can go and see the new Spider-Man film. <laughs> Um, like by himself kind of thing or with friends or whatever. I'm happy to stay home and take care of the baby. But you are such a an avid Spider-Man oh, fan. Oh, yes, completely. <laughs> I, don't, I, don't, I don't dislike you, you, Spider-Man. You don't but dislike I, anything. I don't need to leave the house and go and see it. Yeah. I, but West Side Story mm-hmm. is something that we both really want to see. Yeah. So we have lined up kind of our first like date night. Outing. Yeah, to go and see. Are you going on Boxing Day? Uh, well, maybe not on the day, but certainly soon after then, I think. Yeah, nice. Um, we will go and, yeah. uh, and like, go out and see West Side Story because we both so really want to see it. I'm so happy you are doing that. Yeah. It's gotten amazing reviews. Yeah. Yeah, so there I'm are very a few, um, There are a few uh, cinemas in Sydney showing it early. I saw that, but none up here on the Central Coast, None right? up here, yeah. no. So we'd have to go to, like, Dendi and whatever. Exactly. Um, and I don't want to go anywhere. So, no. yeah, I was just looking how far ahead I can book. I can't book yet for that. Yeah. But I will be. Yes. Maybe game. for Boxing Day. Like, I don't do any – I don't have anything in my life. <laughs> so I could do that. Yeah. Was it Boxing Day we went and saw Little Women? No, it, that was New Year's Day. New Year's Day. We saw it the day it came out, though. Oh, well, that was a the good best. day. Yeah. The best. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Um, we also haven't talked about the Tick, Tick, Boom film. Wait, firstly, congratulations okay. on having a baby. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> He's perfect. Now move on. Tick, tick, Um, boom. Yeah, so we tick, tick, boom has come out. Now it's been out for some weeks now that everyone's listening to this, but it is fucking perfect. Like the best. We we slightly alluded to it last week in the Sondheim episode, um, because obviously Sondheim had such an influence on Jonathan Larson. But oh, it is just so good. We, um, I'd said, <laughs> this was actually really rude of you. You went early. You you had your baby early. I and did. Then you so thought, I was home from the hospital when it came out. Because I was supposed to, I was supposed to beat you to see it, right? Yeah. But 
I didn't. And so we watched it at the same, literally we the literally same time. We literally texted each other. We both started watching it. Yeah. And by the way, we started both started watching it within about 10 minutes of it premiering on Netflix. Without even talking to each yeah. other about that. Yeah. But I was, I was like to Shane, like, hurry up, sit down. Yeah. We're doing this. And he, um, he just loved it. I cried like maybe 17 or 18 like times. Rat songs. Yeah. 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 It, Shane got to the stage where he was like, can you do it quieter? <laughs> <laughs> Andrew looked over at me at one point because he, he wouldn't know what had prompted the crying. He started texting me. Like, he yeah. was texting me, then he was texting me, like, are you also crying right now because Ruth is a mess? I'm like, yeah. yes, if Ruth is crying, I'm definitely the crying. The Sunday scene in particular, Ugh. as, like, as each person came on screen, Ugh. the sobs just got more. Yeah. And, like, someone would come on screen and I would start crying more and Andrew would just be looking at me like, I don't even know why you're crying more right now. I started now. crying as soon as we saw, the like, the wide shot of the diner because yeah. I was like, this is Sunday. Yeah, like yeah. I was just. <laughs> you knew I was happening. It was so. Yeah. But like if you forget about all the all the nostalgia stuff for us and certainly like the familiarity of the story and the songs and the yeah. characters and the actors, it was a beautifully constructed movie. It's really well done. Much better than Tick, Tick, Boom, the musical. As a show. Yes, a show. absolutely. Much, much better. I actually hope that maybe there's some rewriting of the stage show yeah. to reflect yeah, it's an interesting one. What the film was. Because as we know, Tick, Tick, Boom in its current iteration as a stage show isn't what Jonathan Larson intended anyway. That's no, been, that's right. Like it was put so, together after his death. That's yeah. right. It, like if you want a representation of Tick, Tick, Boom as it was sort of like as it is on stage, the film is not it. Like it is quite no. different and it's difficult to explain why, but it is far well, superior. Well, to start with, it's quite literal. Whereas, it's literal. Whereas like the stage show is kind of like, telling the like he's kind of like yeah. him telling it's us like the a story story and of like um the two backup singers also play the characters the girlfriend the, and the best friend like yeah it's actually it just becomes so much more rich when you look at it through the lens of jonathan larson's life yeah and obviously that is something that wouldn't have happened if he hadn't died no the show would be so different exactly but it just makes it so much more beautiful. Yeah, so if you haven't watched it, like... It's on Netflix. It's on Netflix. Oh. Andrew Garfield, he might win the Oscar, honestly. He was, he was just sublime. He's so good in it. And, like, I was like, oh, he's... Like, I think we talked about it in a previous episode. Like, I was like, his singing will be fine, right? His it was, was more than fine. Great. It was so good. Yeah. It was, it was better than Jonathan Larson can yeah, sing. Yeah, absolutely. Like, it was just... He was so perfect. And he is just, like, he's a proper... I can't even. Yeah, he's so good. He's just got depths, and yeah, yeah. Anyway, it was just beautiful. And um, I have to say, like, I think like Lin might Lin Manuel might end up winning awards for his direction. What he did, honestly, with it was just like genius. It just genius. Uh, all it made me think was, we should always just be giving projects to people. Yes. That, that know and care this That's much right. about them. Like, That's exactly like, right. Like you can say what you want about Lin Manuel Miranda, but he is a proper theatre nerd. Who's saying stuff about Lin Manuel Miranda? Oh, people love to bitch about him. People are bitches. I know. Um, people should shut up. They should. And I just think like he knows so much about theatre. Yes. And it's like great. That's who we want to be given projects to. Exactly. You know. That's right. And it, this is completely exemplified by this film because this is a man who understands the genre, understands how film works too, but understands the subject matter and the context and just really also gets the fan base too. Like I felt like that film was made for us. Yes, 100%. That's who you want to make the film for. It's a film for theatre kids. And I think like if Rent had gotten that treatment... 
Yeah. We wouldn't talk so much shit about it today. About the film, you mean? Oh, yeah. The, yeah, yeah, absolutely. I know. Well, actually, I saw a few tweets afterwards that were just like, now I want to see what he could do with a Rent film. Absolutely. Which, which to be fair, I don't it's I don't not like know you could how change much, the... Yes, like I don't know how comfortable people w- would be with changing rent, no, like no. they would need to. But this one, Tick, Tick, Boom was sort of unfinished enough for it to be Absolutely. malleable to yeah, change. Yeah, exactly. And also just does fit really beautifully well, with I mean, his life. We didn't. We know he didn't construct the stage show that existed that, That's right. that had the run in 2001. So. There's just a lot more freedom there. And also it just feels so much more, like it really parallels his life in yeah. so many ways that it's... It just feels like it means more. And I know that Rent is special for a lot of people and for many reasons and we've talked about them, but particularly because he died during the run. Yeah. But but Tick, Tick, Boom feels like his opus. Like it yeah. really, it was just like, yeah, beautiful. Well, and it's interesting because even the way that they worked in songs that were demos or like that yeah. aren't in Tick, Tick, Boom and but still made them work yeah. really well, like that swimming song when he's yeah. write, writing a song. My only problem was that See Her Smile wasn't in it. Yes, we, we messaged about this. I know, I wonder why. I knew that it wasn't when the, you know, the soundtrack was released just before the yeah. film and I was like, where is See Her Smile? Yeah. Because it's such a beautiful song. But I understand, like, I think the breakup occurred a lot earlier than, yes, you know, yeah. and the... Um, than yeah. the stage show, yeah. And also I did love that his focus wasn't necessarily on his romantic life, it was on his professional life. Yeah. And so that was what the film was about. Absolutely. And it felt so much like, particularly now looking at it through the lens of Sondheim just passing away, it just felt like a film about Sunday in the Park with George. Yeah. Like it felt like it was the same topic, it's yeah. the same struggle, it's the same like trying to finish the hat. That's what this film is. Absolutely. And that I think is just really important work to make i um i also loved like the expansion of both both the roger character and oh, yeah. um and the girlfriends um what's the girlfriend's character? Susan. susan that's it yeah yeah um i just like just being able to have them like and weren't they both fabulous like perfect i mean robin de jesus who i love i've yeah. loved for years obviously he was the original sunny in the heights yeah. also just the way that lin-manuel like has these relationships with people that yeah. carry on for so long like Lin-Manuel players really yeah exactly and, and you can just see how beautifully they work together and he was just sensational such a heartfelt character yeah. and just really beautifully acted and yeah yeah I think he's I personally think he's so talented yeah yeah we um I'd like to it's probably too late for us because we probably already know where all the cameos are but I'd love to do like a bingo yeah like a, a well, you know Broadway star bingo I, that was probably the other point in which um in which Andrew couldn't understand why I was yeah. getting so emotional was that scene when they're at the like so uh when, when Jonathan Larson is attending the the yeah the workshop and it's like and their Sondheim is, you know, Brad, Bradley Whitford playing Sondheim is speaking to them. And then the, the audience is just all the most famous. Yes. Actually, I shouldn't say that because not just the most famous musical theatre like composers. The most... Because the people that I didn't recognise are all these really up-and-coming compo- yeah. musical theatre composers that, like, I didn't necessarily know it's what just they like, looked like. It was just like, here are all of the Broadway composers. Yeah. So like, here they are. And you had, like, Stephen Schwartz is there and yes. Jason Robert Brown is yeah. there. And, like, it was just... And it was such a quick glimpse. Yes. I had to Some go back them, a couple of times. I know, same. And, and a few, uh, like I read a few articles online that were like, like freeze frames and like, here's this person, yes. you know. And, um, well, yeah, the Sunday scene, obviously, but there are heaps of other moments where, <laughs> and Shane was so sick of me. After a while, where I was like, there's Laura Benanti. Yeah. <laughs> there's Chris Jackson. Like, it's like, Danny Furland went into the woods. Okay, so this one, Shane got straight away. Shane's like, that is Little Red Riding Hood. Oh, amazing. I was like, how do you? She was a literal child. Yeah. But, no, he totally but got she it. does look the same. She does. It yeah. sounds the same. But um, 
it got to the stage where he was like, I get that everyone is a Broadway star. Like, yeah. I totally get it. You don't need to keep saying it. But then he was every now and then like, who's that? Yeah, like, yeah. That's Beth Malone. Yeah, yeah. That's Andre DeShields. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> that's Cheetah Rivera. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, so, so it was good. just, it was a lot. Yeah. And I, I didn't realise I would get so emotional when um, when Daphne Rubin Vega and Adam Pascal. That was, and, that was oh the moment God. I was, I was done. Yeah. Done. I was yeah. like just them walking through together and it was just like, I get from Brent. <laughs> So funny. Yeah, it's too much. Yeah. Oh, anyway. Yeah. And I um I hadn't picked it, but apparently this was one of the few that I didn't see, but right at the beginning, Roger Bart and another Yes, Roger like, Bart, that's right. Yeah, because of course, for those who don't know, Rod the character of Roger in Rent and in um is is um is named for Roger Bart. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. He's great, Roger Bart. Yeah. Well, what else was he in recently? I saw. Was he in The Good he's Fight? In, well, he's in. Oh, yes, but I was going to say, currently he's in. Um, uh, isn't he in Back to the Future, the musical? Yeah. Sorry, I'm in on, on the TV. I'm in on yeah. TV. Uh, yeah, he's, he's, in got, the good he's fight? got quite a TV face. He does. He's quite a handsome man. Yeah, absolutely. And very talented. Yeah. Um, yeah, anyway, Tick, Tick, Boom. We could probably do a whole episode on it, but it's just very, very good. It's very so good. So good. Yeah. Yeah, so what, what a great piece it. to have now. And just yeah. like, God, it's so good to have those things on Netflix. Yes, absolutely. Oh, so smart. Um, one other um, content thing. Yeah. It's an Instagram account, which um, jo- I know Josephine and I both follow that sprung up in the last week, which is called Sondheim Letters. Mm. And because, of course, we talked about it on our um, Sondheim Tribute episode, but basically anytime someone wrote to Sondheim, he, he would respond. He wrote a letter back. He wrote a letter back. Like a typewritten letter. letter. <laughs> yeah. And, um, he and so this and Instagram account has sprung up that is basically just people have shared those with this yeah. account and they are reposting them. And there are like hundreds and hundreds. And he's just so, he's so real and honest in yeah. all of his letters. Like he's never mean, but he's always just like, here is how I feel yeah, and, and exactly. I'm grateful for you. And, and often they're very short. Yeah. As, as they would be, yeah, right? Yeah, of course. Well, I, yeah. you sent me this meme today that was like, now we know why Sondheim didn't write anything after 2008. It's because he was replying to all those fucking letters. It's so funny. And it's so true. Like yeah. how many, Jesus. And I said to Ruth, like, how dumb am I for not writing him a letter? Right. Like, like but also like how, how would we have known? How would I have known? And I always feel like. Like imposing on a person's life in that way is really mm. um, is really rude. It's like when I was in New York last, I saw Jason Alexander on the side of the road, right? And Shane was like, "Go say hi to him." I'm like, "No, that he's is, living his life. He's just he's waiting for a cab." Yeah, like, I should have done that with Sondheim though. Anyway. Oh yeah, it's funny. It's like there would be people that I just wouldn't. I'd have to say something. I think he is definitely one. Yeah. Um, speaking of, it's currently the eighth of December in the real world, yeah. but it will have happened in the past. But Broadway is dimming its lights. Yes. Today. Um, Today, right? Yeah. Yeah. In honor of Stephen Sondheim. So there's so many. If you you can just Google the name Sondheim, and there are so many amazing stories and pictures and videos that are still popping up. So I'm finding yeah. that even though it's been two weeks. Um, we are getting some beautiful content. And I'll also just mention it again. Please, if you want some Sondheim content that you haven't seen before, there are so many great pro shots that you can watch, but particularly the National Theatre Follies production and the Menier um, Merrily We Roll Along are particularly good recent 
pro shots of Sondheim's work that yeah. I would highly recommend. Yeah. Um, yeah. By the way, I think I referred to Robin Jesus' character as Roger, but it's Michael. Michael, yeah. <laughs> I'm getting. Yeah, there's not a Roger <laughs> but it is in based Rent on Roger and... Bart, sorry. Yeah. And he is named for Roger Bart, he's named for Roger Bart. As in, opposed um... to Roger in Rent, he's Correct. not named for Roger so He's that's named right. for Roger Bart. Yeah, that's right. Uh, but also the character of Michael, I'm is pretty based sure. Based on is... Roger Bart. Or at least, no, sorry, not necessarily based on Roger, but he was. He played Michael, like he was the backup singer. He was like um, the original. Like you yeah, look at yeah. footage of him, of um, Jonathan, Jonathan Larson, Larson doing it. And yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. You got there. You got yeah, there in the end. I got there in the end. I, I can legitimately, yeah. Baby at least brain. you didn't think that Till There Was You was from Carousel. Like just remember that. You're not <laughs> the idiot like, who I'm thought that. I'm sure it's from Music Man. As soon as you said that, I was like, well, of course. Yeah. What is wrong with me? <laughs> Why I have a musical theatre podcast, but anyway, <laughs> whatever. Should we talk about a show? Oh. <laughs> So it's so funny. So like we just have like a joint Google Doc where we put in suggestions for shows and we both put in suggestions, whatever. Yeah. And um and Josephine messaged me the other day and was like, why are we doing Mary Poppins? And I was like, I'm pretty sure this is not my suggestion. <laughs> I know a hundred percent it was my suggestion, but as soon as I started looking at it, I'm like, oh, I don't like this show. I don't like this show at all. I um Would I've just put li- it in because it's like a big Yeah, and look, like like Josephine and I have said, you know, part of the reason we've switched to doing one show and episode is so we can just talk about some of these big shows. Because we would never have talked about Grease. Yes, correct, because neither of us obviously cared that much. And obviously we would never have talked about Mary Poppins, which is our show today. So Indeed. Mary Poppins, everyone, buckle so, up. So do you dislike it? No, I have no feelings. Yeah. The, I, I find the, it boring. Yeah, the film is great. Yo, you don't think that? I don't like the film. Okay. I'm so sorry. I mean, it's a classic. In well, the same way I feel that way about Greece as well. See, it's just I grew up watching it. Yeah, so I didn't. Okay. I think I saw Mary Poppins for the first time when I was like 10 or 11. Really? And by then I was like, mm, nah. Like you were too old, do you think? I think so. And I think for me it's the same in the same category. God, some of my friends are going to be so mad as like Bedknobs and Broomsticks where I'm like, this is just dumb. Right. This is a dumb I think film. It's superior to Bedknobs and Broomsticks. But yeah, but. To me, not by much. Yeah, interesting. <laughs> I don't know what I was watching, but I clearly just had no time for like mini animations in the middle, and and, yeah, and also right. just the to me the the Mary Poppins character being played by Julie Andrews, who I had seen in The Sound of Music so many times, being like not very nurturing. It's just like, what is this? Right. You know, how she's just sort of like a bit mean. <laughs> and I was always just like, what? Um, what I will say yeah. is that. The nerd in me yeah. loves the genre of stage show where people think the musical is really old because oh. the source material is really old. Okay, so this is my main point is like we are doing a musical that is actually very modern. Yeah. This is a really modern it's stage show. It's a really show. recent show. Yes, yes. Um, so like Singing in the Rain falls in that category yes. as well. And so does say – like there's not many of them. But Is um, On the Town one of those or is that – Oh, no, no, no. On the Town's old. Um but I think it did get reworked not that long ago. Yeah, I'm trying to think what but else no, it could be. But no, because it's Compton and like, Green. Um, but like, no, I mean like would it have been, because it's a film, right? But would it have been a stage oh. show? You know, it's like one of those. Right, like they wrote the songs for the film. Because you know how in the Hollywood sort of golden age of movie musicals, a lot of them were just yeah, musicals. Yeah, were just films. Just like yeah. Singing in the Rain and didn't actually make it to the yeah, stage. Yeah, interesting. So I the other, I'm sure the other Town one is not a good in, example. In not an exact way, but the other one I was thinking of was um, – was crazy for you? Oh yeah, because it uses Gershwin songs. That's a right. lot of people think it's really old. Well, I mean, but- the difference is that pretty much Mary Poppins is all—it's not the same as the movie, but it's very fucking similar. And it, it came like what 40, 50 years later. Oh no, on the town was on Broadway in nineteen forty-four. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay. Unfortunately, it doesn't fall into. Oh my that gosh, category. so many strikes against me today. 
Um, but yeah, like this one definitely falls into that category where it's like people think the show is really old, uh, but it is not. (laughs) So, um, yeah, so I've literally said that I think a show whose history will surprise the general theatre goer. Um, I saw the first Australian production in 2010 at the Lyric Theatre. So that was the first time it came to Australia. 2011 by the time it was in Sydney, I think. Yeah, that's because it was the start of a tour. You're absolutely right. Yeah, because it started in Melbourne. So what... So I, I was saying that's the yep. only time I've seen it on stage. Me too. It has been done like amateur. It's a very common amateur. Yeah, yeah that's right. Um, I was living in London when it was done here locally, so I didn't see it. Yeah. But um, yeah, I'm the same. That's the only time I've seen it on stage. Yeah. Um, but I have a vivid memory of it because um, I'd only just started. So it, it opened oh, it in would Australia. Be the same I had as your, just started yeah, working your at work. Playbill. I started there in 2010. Did you guys do the merch for it? Yes. Yeah. And it is to this day probably the most successful show we've ever done in Australia. I can totally believe that. But which is funny because, and I don't know if you found this, um, it has not been that successful necessarily elsewhere. Mm. But in Australia, like I can tell everyone listening, like it was so sold out. Like the entire tour was completely sold out. I'm talking more so than like... Um, like recent, like Les like, Mis, or yeah, correct, or, or Lion King, or yeah. anything like that. Like it is. I actually ridiculous. couldn't even. I was trying to rack my brains as to how I even got a ticket and how, like how that all came about. I must have gone with my mum, but I don't remember. Well, I think, for example, it was it was it sat down in both Sydney and Melbourne for like probably ten or eleven months, yeah. like a long time. Yeah. And so probably it was just a case of like she booked early enough or whatever, yeah, you know, have. like that sort of thing. Yeah, I'm really glad she did because I I actually quite loved that production of yeah. it, and I loved. It were, it's great theatre magic, this show. Yes, yes. So, I have I, I have a whole sort of um, thing for us to talk about theatre magic in that sense. But I think, like, for me, I see this show the way I see a lot of the Disney stage shows, mm. which is that I can recognise the craft that's involved yeah. in constructing them and yeah. particularly things like that, that magic, the choreography, for example, stuff yes. like that. But I don't sentimentally attach them the same way I do a lot of musicals. There is something just a little cynical about this type of musical, I think. Mm. There's something just a little businesslike like a, a about churning it out. That's exactly yeah. it. Yeah. yeah, so it feels like one of those and so I see its appeal and in the moment of watching it I really did appreciate all the production values and having such a company behind them and the power of that company. Yeah build that incredible um, spectacle yeah. is wonderful. But at the same time, it's not really a genuine piece of art. Yeah. And you know? I don't know. Yes, absolutely. And I don't know if you feel this way, but like it's always going to be harder for us to completely connect to it when it's aimed at children. Of course. You that's know? right. So like yeah. as an adult going to it, yeah. it's like, well, I'm not the, you know, I've, I've often felt that way about, I've felt that way a long time about Lion King. Oh yeah. Where it's like, I can recognize, for example, that opening number of Lion Beautiful. King. Maybe the one costumes, of the best things the... ever created for the theatre. That's right. But it like it gets to about halfway, like three quarters of the way through the first act, and I'm like, oh, it's a kids show. It's for children. Yeah. And all of these tricks are for children. Yes, absolutely. And yeah, so even like when I saw it, well, obviously we were both adults at the time. I appreciated it, but that's really the extent. Yeah, of it. exactly, yeah. exactly. And I, again, obviously, like some of the songs are classics, and yeah. they are beautiful. Like I do think that some of this music is great. Yes, yes. Yeah, you know, in in a different way to like the Grease songs that we were talking about <laughs> last episode. Right? Which are truly stunning. Which are just more pop songs. Yeah, they're just these sort of are, like, like these great theatre songs, yeah. you know. It is just fascinating to me that these were all made for a film. There's only a couple of songs that were yeah. really made for this show at all. That's right, that's right. Um, do you want me to tell you the plot? Yeah, I was just going to say as well, like, because um, it, and we'll talk about this later, but it is coming back to Australia is next it? year. Yeah, oh, yeah, did you oh, not yeah, know shit, that? Oh, yeah, I think I had May, audition. I think, May 2022. <laughs> I just remember that I think I auditioned for it. <laughs> but um, Obviously not successfully. But, uh, so, yeah, just looking forward at work to selling 
thousands so more of those more. parrot head umbrellas. Oh, yeah. Which is like, again. Can I get one of them? Ab- absolutely. I yes. will get you one. Um, it is like. I've never seen I want a an, carpet bag, an actually. item sell that well. Like yeah, wow. it is insane. I wonder if it's a good umbrella. They're, yeah, they're good. Oof. Yeah, they're good quality. Because it's all like um, everything has to be like approved by Disney. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. Because we'll really talk about that. Yeah, okay. Disney and Cameron Macintosh. Yeah, which is an interesting pairing. Yeah. Um, well. Yes, that I was will, the plot. I'm going to tell you the plot. Okay, so we're in London. It's the Edwardian era. Um, for those who don't know, you dummies out there, the Edwardian era <laughs> is that very small period. To be fair, she's going to tell me. <laughs> um, it's that really small period like between Queen, Elizabeth, Queen Victoria dying in 1901 to like approximately 1910, sometimes the beginning of World War One. So right. very, It's a very small period because King Edward, as we know, um, abdicated. Abdicated, yeah. Um, am I thinking of the right? No, he died. Oh, yeah, it's later, the it's other his, guy. Yeah, it, that's his, in like the 40s, isn't it? The, yeah, so the it's his um, son. Son, yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Uh, obviously, I'm the idiot here. Because <laughs> anyway. she was a – oh, no, she was an American. I was thinking she was a film star, but no, that's – She was just an American. The yeah. one that we're thinking of, Wallace Simpson. Yes. Was, yeah, not not in the Edwardian era. No. That's the Georgian era I think you're okay. thinking of. Um, so, I don't know the names of these periods. Well, actually, it turns out I don't either, Ruth. <laughs> So we meet Bert, um, he's a jack-of-all-trades, uh, who invites us to hear the story of Cherry Tree Lane, where the Banks family live. They are George and Winifred Banks and their two naughty children, Jane and Michael. So Jane Can and Michael... Can I pause? Are you telling us the stage show? This or is the, the stage yes, show. Excellent. I assume that I don't need to tell anyone the film. No, it's true, but I just thought it was worth clarifying for well, And this is quite different, which yes. obviously you've probably already noticed, because in the film they're not that naughty. But no. anyway, so they're naughty children in the stage show. Jane and Michael have run off yet another nanny. Uh, with their terrible behaviour and so they decide to put an ad in the paper for the perfect nanny. Um, unsatisfied with their criteria, they tear up the ad and throw it into the fire. But then, boom, Mary Poppins shows up with the intact ad and promises to fix the children because she is practically perfect. Mm. It's never really explained how Mary is, like, a little bit magic and maybe, like, a deity or something. Yeah, yeah, I know. I don't know why that is never addressed. It just kind of is, isn't it? Yeah, and there's lots of stuff that happens in the show where you're like, well, well, how do you have access to hell or whatever? Like, yeah. who are you? Yes. <laughs> what are you doing here? Are you actually magic? Yeah, I don't know. It's really a bit strange. It's very much like one of those old-timey children's stories yeah. that is like, just accept this. Anyway, um, so Mary starts to sort out the kids, um, but there are other troubles in the family. The mother, Winifred, feels like a failure and George doesn't understand why his wife doesn't find being a wife and mother easy because, as we know, like it is very easy. And he, after all, <laughs> is a very important white bank man. Um, so the kids respond to their parents' uncertainty and gruff natures and have a fight, as children do when their parents are sort of dickheads. Mary decides to leave them to teach them a lesson. <laughs> so she leaves a note and she chuffs off. Um, Winifred decides to surprise her husband by hiring his childhood nanny, Miss Andrews, which is a huge mistake because she is an abusive tyrant. Indeed. So everyone is really unhappy, but Mary flies in on a kite to save them again. She sends Miss Andrews to hell. Yes. <laughs> And it all culminates in basically everyone figuring out their problems and Mary happily flies off after fixing the family. Yeah. Yeah. So because the stage show is not a direct adaptation, there are obviously some differences between the film and the stage show, Um, namely like a few characters are omitted um, or are exacerbated. So particularly the parents are are given much more of a story 
in the stage show and the kids are made to be rat bags. Yeah, like to add drama, there's no, I suppose. There's nothing that isn't either in the film or the books, right? Like they kind That's of. That's right. It's all just like an amalgam of yes. all of those things. Because, of course, it was a whole series of books, so they've just taken. I think it was rat, like 11 or something. Yeah, it's like, oh, we'll just grab this character or this this yes. plot point. Or... And largely, I believe, the film was the first book. Yes, I think you're right. But I think this this stage show, it has exacerbated things just for added drama, but it's, it is largely original content. And lots of the songs are in different places, aren't they, than the film? Yeah, well, so, for example, Let's Go Fly a Kite, which is at the end of the film, is like the beginning of Act 2 yeah. when Mary flies in on the kite and comes back the second time. And to be fair, like, you have to do that, those things with a stage show to have, like, an Act 1 and Act 2. Oh, and, totally. You know, I, I really get that. Yeah, totally. There are... Um, so a lot of the major songs from the film have also been adjusted to fit other parts of the story yeah. and I think it works well. So Spoonful of Sugar happens much later in the story when Mary is helping the kids fix the house. Yeah. Like in the film it's like the first thing That's she sings. That's right. Um, Supercalifragilisticexpialidocious is sung at Mrs. Corrie's Sweet Shop. Yeah. Um, Feed the Birds is a duet between Mary and the Bird Woman um, and is later in the show than it is in the film. Yeah. In the film just Mary sings it. And um, let's go That's fly a right. kite, like I said. I'd forgotten that. Yeah. yeah, you know, isn't she looking in like a yeah. like a snow globe or something? Yeah, that's right. Um, and yeah, then let's go fly a kite was also changed. And um, Winifred Banks isn't like a suffragette. No, like she is in the film. She's the opposite of a suffragette. Yeah, suffragette, it's like I would she's say. a failed actress. Yeah, and also a failed mother and wife. Yeah, it's like, like she's just really bad. It's a bit strange, isn't it? It is also, considering when this was her written. Being a suffragette's kind of like one of the great things in the film. I don't know. It's actually one of the things I remember seeing and being like, "Whoa, that yeah, is a choice." Absolutely, absolutely. I like to think it's a bit of a nod to P.L. Travers, like yeah, we'll as a talk bit of a about hard her, definitely. Ass. Oh yeah. Um, so a bit of history. Really? So um, music and lyrics by Richard M. Sherman and Robert B. Sherman, otherwise known as the Sherman Brothers. Indeed. And additional music and lyrics by George Styles and Anthony Drew. Yes. And book by Julian Fellows. Okay, can we talk about how crazy that is? Yes. So we haven't talked about any of these people on the podcast no. before. But this is like quite, yeah. So, a- um uh, are you talking about specifically about Julian Fellows? Well, that when I first saw it, I was like, that can't be Julian Fellows. Yeah, so I guess that wasn't that much of a surprise for me because, so for those who don't know, Julian Fellows is like, the most British person yeah. you'll ever imagine, right? He's the creator of Downton Abbey, yes. uh, the TV show Downton Abbey, and, like, was the executive producer and whatever of it. He also won an Oscar for writing the screenplay to Gosford Park, not related to the Gosford that Josephine and I live in. No, no, much uh, fancier we, Gosford. We, it, it was a big joke when that film came out, wasn't it, that it was, like, Gosford yes. Park being Kibble Park. <laughs> and Anyway, but, yeah, so he is, like, the most quintessentially British-like person. But he has also written... Um, the books to a handful of musicals. So I knew that he wrote the book to get this School of Rock. Did you yes, know that? I did know yeah. that. Yes. Yeah. So the School of Rock musical, which adaptation. is a quintessentially UK production, <laughs> yeah, so, so British, weird, isn't it? And um, he also did um, the Wind in the Willows adaptation that was on the West End a few years ago, and the reworked Half a Sixpence um, oh, yeah. musical. Um, which is right up his alley. That one makes sense, right? <laughs> I mean, so does Mary Poppins, really, when totally. you think about it. Yeah, that made sense. And, and I think adaptation is what he's very good at, like taking the fact that this was already a film. And yeah. then, so um, the Sherman brothers were obviously very, like, incredibly famous for Mary Poppins, but they also wrote the songs for The Jungle Book, Chitty Chitty Bang Bang, yeah. and Bed Dobbs and Broomsticks that we mentioned earlier. Um, they also wrote the song It's a Small World, which, which is um, arguably world. the most. So some people have said it is the most performed or played song in the world because well, you know, it's played. Little... 
At Disneyland, right? On the ride, yeah. And you know those little, um, how you can get those little wind-up toys that then play music? It's yeah. It's always It's a Small exactly. World. Exactly. Always. So, that like, a lot of people report it as the most played song in the I world. Would, I, I believe that. Yeah, I believe exactly. that to be true. And then um, Styles and Drew, who wrote the additional songs yeah. for the stage show, they are probably best. They're very well known in the UK. They are, like, beloved in the UK. Same. Yeah, yeah, you certainly are. Um, they're probably best known for their show Honk. Yeah. Um, but um, they also did they did the new songs for the reworked Half a Sixpence as well. Just a side note about Honk, a, a musical that is truly probably so financially lucrative because of how often it is done by yeah. amateur societies, Particularly but largely in the UK. like unknown. Yes, I would exactly. Say. Yes, like not done. Like it hasn't been on Broadway, for I would example. Say it's like it's like a. Like not as well known as Susicle. Do you know what I mean? Like no, like a Susicle that is even less known, but is still done all, all the fucking time. time. And like I didn't quite realize that until I lived over there and sort of was friends with people like yeah. in that. So, but they are that show is done by everyone in the UK. Yeah, wow. Like it is particularly famous over there. For those who don't thing. know, it's like a, it's a musical on the ugly duckling. Yes, story. It's, a, it's an ugly yeah. duckling music. It's, it's a, about it's literal great ducks. Show, I think. Yeah, it's yeah, great. Yeah, really great for kids. Yeah, exactly. Anyway, moving on. And so yeah, so Styles and Drew have kind of um, sort of made their name for doing these either like reworked versions of shows because yeah. they also did that win in the willows oh yeah as well which isn't a reworked one but like a new a new adaptation of that they've done a peter pan yeah um that's that gets done that's a what bit. we needed yeah another peter pan <laughs> um so that sort of thing yeah um yeah so anyway they, when will but they, they start are, to call those peter pan adaptations something different like I know, so that we can so keep weird. it straight they're in our head peter pan yeah like i don't know call it wendy or something yes exactly so as we mentioned um musicals based on the children's books by the author pl travers and then and the 1964 disney film and is a fusion of various elements from both did you know she's australian yeah so mm. i had read half of this like biography of her at one stage oh that would have been interesting yeah except that it wasn't a particularly well written biography but that would have been bad yes yeah. um but like, let's just talk about her for a second. Let's what get to a fascinating character. She is so fascinating. So, um, she yes, she was originally Australian. She doesn't catch not care for Australia. Oh, she does not care for anything. She doesn't care. She is maybe the most curmudgeonly person I've ever heard of. Yes, like she and and the fact that people write down how curmudgeonly she is I means she must have been pretty cranky. exactly like cranky. <laughs> she didn't like the films. Um, she didn't like Sorry, anything. the original film. She didn't like anything. Yeah. She, I love this. She most identified with Anonymous as a writer oh. and asked whether biographies are of any use at all. I love it. She's just the most. And apparently, did you hear, hear this? She she called Julie Andrews after she was cast as Mary Poppins and said, well, you're much too pretty, of course, but you've got the nose for it. Oh, fuck me. <laughs> right? I think that, like, without proper socialisation, I could become that. <laughs> Like, I think very easily. Yeah, so in 1993, Cameron McIntosh, who we've talked about many times, he met with her. She must have been quite old, in her 90s, I reckon. Yeah, because she was in a yeah, so she was in her, she was 96 when she died, I think, yeah. in 96. And that was in 96. 96. Yeah, okay, yeah. so she was like 93. So she was in her 90s. So that was, he got the rights. She was like, did not want to give the rights for years no. and years, right? Well, she hated her experience with the film. Hated. Yeah. Um, so he if anyone's had, seen that film, Saving Mr. Banks, I don't think that is an accurate representation of their right, relationship. Okay, yeah. Like I don't think that is a, yeah. I've heard that that is a very much disney version of the relationship. Okay. There. Interesting. Mm. Um, so yeah, so he met with her to acquire the rights and she agreed so long as all of the creators Love were this. English 
and that no one who worked on the film adaptation could be involved. Do you right? know she even put that in her will? Yes, I saw that. <laughs> she's so, she's so, so petty. And also, like at the time, the Sherman both Sherman brothers were, we're alive. Still alive so, so and she was like, "Fuck yes. you both! I'm so, putting this so in my will. Don't come near it." Her making this arrangement and putting this in her will just—it was too. Ex- Basically, fully exclude the Sherman exclude brothers, the Sherman brothers yes. from writing any more songs because everyone else was dead. Yeah, oh. and so like that is because I don't think I, I knew Styles and Drew had written these extra songs. Yeah. I just assumed it was because the Sherman brothers were dead. No, they weren't. One of them's still alive. One now. of them's still alive now, but they were both alive then. Oh my god, that was. Oh, I just Can you just imagine that. that kick in the pants when you've had the hit of yeah. Mary Poppins yeah. and then the person <clears throat> who wrote it is like, no, you're a piece of trash. Yeah. I don't want you near this. Yeah, exactly. When, like, demonstrably clearly they're not. Yes. <laughs> like some of the most successful songwriters. Anyway. It's so funny. It's crazy. I was I was just fascinated that she allowed those original songs to stay in the production yeah, at all. That like, was, that's interesting. And apparently that was a bit begrudging, I think. Yeah. Um, but in the end she did, yeah, she did agree to that. Because if, if not, like, we would have a, a stage show that could would have had none of those film songs I in know, it. Imagine. Which, strange. Very strange. Which would have been like, say, like, oh no, actually that there isn't There's something no that's example, comparable right? as there. No. Yeah. <laughs> um so yeah, so she died in nineteen ninety six, as we said. And then in two thousand and one, Cameron McIntosh met with Thomas Schumacher, head of Disney Theatrical, yeah. um, to talk about a collaboration so that the stage show could use the songs from the film, because obviously it's a Disney film. Um, so he agrees. Both sides are committed and a preliminary, preliminary outline of the show was written in 2002. Um, a workshop was held at the end of 2003. I thought this was really interesting. In the rehearsal room at London's Old Vic Theatre using the cast of My Fair Lady, which had just closed on the West End. Oh, well, they're not doing anything. Yeah. Which also, I, that's a good crossover, I reckon. It was produced by Karen McIntosh. I'm pretty sure if it's the production I'm thinking of. Yeah, right. So that's why. Yeah. Um, yeah, it kind of does make sense, doesn't it? But yeah, that, it's just, that to me just is interesting a... that instead of casting a new workshop, they're like, we'll just use these actors. I would love to see what the character of... of um, Professor Higgins then moved over to. Yes. Like, where's his crossover in that, yeah, in that musical? <laughs> he's surely Mr. Banks sure, or something, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, he'd be Mr. Banks, I think. <laughs> Imagine if he was Freddie Bert. must be Bert. Yeah. Yeah, so true. It's so funny. <laughs> Which means I'm pretty sure if it's the production of My Fair Lady I'm thinking of, it might have been Martine McCutcheon. Oh. What would as, have been um, Mary. She'd be nice, Mary. Yeah, she'd, be, she'd look right for it. She would look right yeah. for it. So an out of Actually, town, sorry to just interrupt yeah. you again. That is a cool exercise we could do, which is like, Take famous Take cast. cast of shows and then try to transplant them yeah, onto another into show. Another cast. Can yeah, we do that? Yeah. Just as a fun activity. Absolutely. This is how we get our kicks. Yeah. Um, so an out of town tryout was then held at the Bristol Hippodrome in September two thousand and four. What is a hippodrome? Isn't it? The, it's just a type of theatre, isn't it? Yeah, but what is it? Oh, I have no fucking idea. Uh, um, so, but that's a quite a common name for theatre, isn't it? I thought it was a sport thing. Oh, this is definitely. This one's a theatre anyway. Well, I know that, but like. Um, so the production then moved to the West End uh, at the Prince Edward Theatre from December 15th. Yeah, it's for chariot racing. Maybe it's just maybe it's just about it being round. It's like an oval. It's, you know, like where, where like um, Ben-Hur did all his shit in? Yeah. It's like that. Okay. Sorry. Interesting. Um, so it opened uh, in the West End on December 15th, 2004. Uh, making it the only Disney musical to have premiered in the UK. Of course, Which yeah. makes sense, but, like, yeah, it's just yeah. that the rest of them have been in in America. Did Chitty Chitty Bang Bang? It's not Disney. 
Oh, yeah. Because, no, in fact, I remember when I was reading about the Sherman Brothers, that was their first, like, non-Disney, Non-Disney. success. Yeah. Of course I just assumed. I know. It's a bit like Anastasia, isn't it? Yeah. How people assume Anastasia's at Disney. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the production closed on January 12th, 2008, after a run of um, just over three years. Hmm. I, that is less than I thought. Yes. Right? I agree. I agree. I thought it was much more successful But also than 2008, that. so that's the global financial crisis. That is true. And that yeah. is when a whole bunch of shows closed. Yeah. We've talked about that before. Yeah. Um, it was nominated for nine Olivier Awards at the 2005 Olivier's, winning hmm. two, Best Actress in a Musical for Laura Michelle Kelly, who yeah. played Mary, and Best Theatre Choreographer for Michael Bourne and Stephen Meir, which yeah. makes sense. The choreography was fantastic. Honestly, set design deserves something. Yeah, so it, that was interesting. So I'll talk about that. So it, it won the set design. Um, On it's Broadway, the only, didn't it's it? It's the only Tony it won. Oh, yeah. Um, but... Uh, yeah, so when it was on Broadway. That's and I was design. Like, oh, that's interesting that it didn't win the Olivier. What won? And I looked it up and it's because I think um, it's because in the Olivier's set design is both plays and musicals oh. and it was a play that won. And I had a look through and, like, musicals just aren't nominated at nearly as often yeah, as plays Yeah, but did they are. see the set of this? Right? It's insane. This yeah. set, I still think about this set often. Yes, it's beautiful. Beautiful. Um, so a Broadway production debuted on November 16th, 2006 at the New Amsterdam Theatre and closed on March 3rd, 2013. So more mm. than six years, 2,619 performances. Yeah. It closed to make way for Aladdin. Yeah, that's right. Um, yeah. But that is, so that's quite a bit longer than the West End run. Mm. That surprises me. No, I think that, that checks out with like you know that obsession with sort of like nostalgic British stuff yeah, that right. America can I have at times. So. Like yeah. it also feels like that is a really well timed run. Like I don't think it would yes. have as much success now, for example. Yeah. But there is something really special about Mary Poppins. It's funny. What surprised me is that that means I visited both New York and the West End a couple of times while it was playing in both places and I never had any desire to see it in either yeah. place. Oh, I don't remember that it was running. That is a correct but isn't that have. funny? Like you're I just, just not the audience. Yeah, you're right. I'm not. You're and now not. I would because I would just go see it to see it. Yeah. But like then, when I was in my twenties, you were more discerning in your twenties. Well, I just I as wouldn't, most twenty year olds have had like it, it just would have been about being the new thing. I would have yeah. wanted to see the new thing. I yeah. think. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. Um, so it was nominated for seven Tony Awards at the 2007 Tonys and it won one for Best Scenic Design, as mm. we said, which, as we said, very well deserved. Very well deserved. Uh, incredible set. Uh, for Best Musical that year, it was up against Grey Gardens, Curtains and Spring Awakening, which yeah. won. So we've talked about a couple of those shows. That's a good year. Yeah. Um, a West End revival opened in October 2019, also at the Prince Edward Theatre, mm. so where it was previously. Uh, it was, of course, paused by the COVID shutdown in March 2020, but reopened on August 7th, 2021, largely with the same cast as the previous. Yeah, nice. Um, there's been two UK tours and one US tour, as well as productions all around the world, and it's been translated into 13 languages. I mean, you know, it's like... Josephine said at the beginning when we talk about it being a bit manufactured, like that's what happens, right? You roll the show out to all yeah. these places, you know? And like go nuts, whatever. Do yeah, what you want. Absolutely. Um, should we talk about some facts? Yeah. Um, in terms of the music. Yeah. Uh, the songs from the film that were omitted from the stage show I think are interesting. Ooh, yeah. So, from the film, there was Sister Suffragette. As we've talked about, Winifred is not a suffragette. Yeah. So and that, I really like that song. It's a great song. Yeah. Um, the Life I Lead, Stay Awake. One of my favourite songs is oh, Stay Awake. It never occurred to me that Stay Awake isn't in the stage show. Yeah. Um, I Love to Laugh and Fidelity Fiduciary Bank are omitted. I Love to Laugh is also quite popular. Yeah. Interesting choices. That is interesting. I didn't realise those. Mm, yeah. Yeah. 
Um, lots of new additions on top of the film music, obviously, and like Ruth said, written by Styles and Drew. Um, but not actually a huge amount of new bits, like lots of sort of like incidental yes, music. Yes, exactly. Lots of, lots of that Re- sort of reprises stuff. Reprises and stuff. Reprises, yeah. It's just sort of like reworkings of the original yeah. themes of things, which is really clever and it does work. Like what you'll find is, for example, like Step in Time is just really extended. There's just more yes. sections in it. Isn't it like 13 minutes or something? And 13 glorious minutes. Yeah, incredible. Yeah, and I same with like Super Cal. include the entire scene, it's 13 minutes. Yeah, yeah with like Super Cal, it's the same yes. thing. There's just like extra verses at the end and all yeah. that sort of thing, like more chorus members singing, um, which is cool, I reckon. Also, some of the characters, like I, th- I don't think I mentioned this, but like there's more, there's just more ensemble than there is in the film. Right. Well, that makes sense. Yeah. And like there's lots of random characters in the film, but they're just sort of heightened in the stage show. Yeah. Um, like Mrs. Corrie is a lot bigger and, yes. you know, yeah. Well, like Miss Andrews isn't in the film at all, right? No, that's which right. Is, Miss Andrews isn't which interesting. Which is the, the evil nanny, which was, yeah. Such a strange who goes to hell. Yeah. Hmm. And we talked about, um, I don't know if we, oh, no, we haven't mentioned this. So the Miss Andrews song was originally called Temper Temper. Oh, yeah. And got changed Is it changed Brimstone to, and Treacle? Yes. No, um, got changed to Playing the Game. Oh, Playing the Game. Yeah. Um, and that was because it was deemed too scary. She is very scary. One of my old tutors um, from my uni degree played that character, um, Natalie Gamzu. Oh, yeah. And she was excellent. Terrifying but excellent. Yeah. Because it is a scary character. Yeah. But it's interesting. I Like I read it, like I read a couple of like Broadway World message boards about when it was changed because it was yeah. changed like some years into the Broadway run. Yes. Um, they changed it for like maybe a UK or US tour and then like have introduced it a- yeah. ever since sort of thing. Yeah. And the, the idea was Temper Temper was too scary but um, a lot of people on the message boards were like, some of the, like, br- like they're like, Brimstone and Trickle is, like, just as scary. Yeah, like, and she still not... goes to hell. And yeah. It's just weird how they draw a line on these things. Yeah. And even now looking at looking at a show like Matilda, which I would argue is for a similar audience, is still horrifying in places. Yeah, exactly. And they're not changing that up. Like, exactly. I don't know. Ki- I think kids can hack it. I think sometimes we under, like, underestimate them yeah yeah particularly when like it's very easy i think to be afraid in a theater and like it's a safe place to be afraid do you know what i mean like it's not like a film where it feels real you can still very much see the um mechanics on in a theater so it's um absolutely i agree yeah um that said, like I want to talk about the yeah. house. It was pretty much a full house. Yes. Like they built it. It was a yeah, five-ton yes. house. Yeah. And I remember walking into that um, theatre when we saw it in 2011 and it was just a stunning like storybook home. Yeah. And sort of like in Fun Home you could just see all the parts of it. Like you would see sometimes the outside of the house and then they would open it up and there'd be different rooms of the house and it was yeah. just so beautiful. Yeah. It was like a doll's house. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it was I, incredible. I, I think about that set often. Absolutely. Yeah. It was so incredible. I wanted to talk a bit about some <clears> of the, <throat> the cast that have been in it. Oh, yeah? Yeah. So, obviously, I mentioned Laura Michelle Kelly was the original Mary. Um, she was great. She was great. Um, Gavin Lee was the original oh, Bert. Oh, yeah. Um, he also originated the role on Broadway. And some people, um, like, say, like, our younger listeners might know him as, like, he was the he was was squ- Squidward in, Squidward, in, yeah. in SpongeBob. Yeah. The one who tap dances anyway. Yeah. Uh, I also saw him as um, Tenardier on oh. Broadway in the in the Les Mis revival. I would never guess that casting. Oh, really? He's a great Tenardier. Yeah, wow. He's just played, like, you know how Tenardier, sometimes they cast him like kind of like fat and bumbling. Yeah. Or they go like lanky and creepy. He was a great like lanky and creepy Tenardier. Yeah, but in my head, like that Alan, um, 
Oh, oh yes, uh, yes, Alan Armstrong. Yeah, that that to me is like, yeah, lanky, but also like horrifying. Oh yeah, do you know, I know what you mean? Of, that sort of that casting. sort of quality. Yeah, mm. yeah, yeah. Wow. It's Whereas, like, yeah, I feel like Gavin Lee would just be a bit more. Um, I don't he know. He was kind of like he was very like. Like um, a bit more camp? Yeah, yes, as, um, a little bit more camp. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah very kind of. But also like he, because he, in the same way that like Bert is like real kind of, there you go, you yeah. know, like he had that he aspect had that. of it. I will say that the role of Bert on stage is a slog. Absolutely. Like I think Mary is a big role too, don't get me wrong, but yeah. Bert, that is a tough role. It is, yeah, yeah. it's massive. Um uh, Lindsay Hately, the original narrator in Joseph, yeah, um, was Winifred Banks on, yeah. in the West End. She's got a bitchin' voice. Yeah, I, I just wanted because um, Winifred Banks. Yeah, I just thought it was really interesting the casting sort of across across the world. Rebecca Luca yes. was the original on Broadway, who we talked about sadly passed away recently. Yes. Um, and Marina Pryor here in Australia, like that's just an interesting like. I found, well, because, you know, in Australia it was um, Philip Quast who played George as well. So it's always like that sort of level of person. That's right. So, like, Marina Pryor is the Rebecca Luca, you know what I mean? That's right. I specifically wrote the original Australian cast because Verity Hunt Ballard was an incredible Mary. So good. Matt Lee was the original Bird. He was great. And he was so good. Yeah. Um, And he went on to play it, I think, on the UK tour afterwards. He was really good. Um, Yeah, Philip Quast, as we mentioned, Judy Kennelly. Yes. And Deborah Byrne were both in it as well. Like, that's a pretty... Was Deborah Byrne Mrs. Corey? Uh, no, Deborah oh, the Byrne was the, the, the bird woman. Oh, the bird woman, um, yes. Yeah. Yeah, right, okay. And I think Judy Kennelly was Mrs. Corey. Yeah, right, yeah. that makes sense. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm talking off the top of my head, but yeah. Yeah, yeah nice. Um, and then um, on the current, the most recent revival in the, in the UK, Petula Clark is the bird woman. That's cool. Yeah, yeah, which is fun. That's so cool. I also don't think I'd realised what um, quite a – child actress Carrie Hope Fletcher was, mm. but she was one of the original um, Jane James? Banks on the West End. So we've talked about her before. She was the Fontaine in the most recent The, the stage concert. The concert. Um, uh, and she was Veronica in Heathers yeah. and she's on that le- Oh, West she's End got cast. such a beautiful voice. She's great. But, yeah, she was one of the original Jane Banks. Which makes sense because she's very young. She's also, um, she's also the, I think, the only person to have played young Eponine and Eponine. On the West End. Oh, cool! Yeah, so she was one of she's she was a ch- like young Eponine. That's awesome. Yeah, young Eponine, such a shit role, man. Or maybe she she might have been young Cosette. Anyway, <laughs> who knows? But yeah. normally they're often both, aren't they? Like they yeah, sort that's of switch true. It out, yeah. But anyway, yeah. If you're young Eponine, you don't get much to do. Yeah, like you're probably you're definitely also a cover for. You've got to be. Yeah. 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 Um. So I thought this was really interesting. In SuperCal, yeah. um, the well, Fragilistic Expelladocious number, <laughs> the chatterboxes in Mrs. Corey's Talking Shop spell the word in dance. Yeah, in sign language, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, and that was inspired by the fact that the Stephen Meir, who was one of the two choreographers, is deaf. Yes. I thought that was wonderful. Yeah, it's really great. Probably something you wouldn't really notice if, no. you, didn't, if you weren't clued into it. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah, I yeah. found that interesting. Did you know um, also the Penguins aren't in the production, the stage yeah, show? Yeah, I did read that in a Jolly lot Holiday. of Amateur Productions just put them in, though. Well, yeah, you would. Makes sense. But, like, where do you have all those penguin costumes anyway? And that, yes, that's true. Um, but I guess that's the thing, like. That's iconic, that Yes, scene. but also, like, if you were going to put it in the professional production, they'd have to look pretty good. Oh, yeah. You know? So I can sort of understand why you'd leave them out. Yeah. Like, I, I, I found that interesting because that's a moment in the film that, like, everyone knows, right? Jolly Holiday and, yeah. But I guess because it's animated. Yeah. It's, yeah. You don't have to sort of recreate it exactly. I will say too, and it's hard to explain, but like what they do with the carpet bag 
in the sh- in the yeah. stage show is so clever. So oh, clever. and the flying, of course. Mary flies at yeah, the end. Yeah. So um, let's talk a little bit about the Disney magic. I yeah. Think. Let's. Yeah. Because um, because that is one of the things that makes it special. Yes. And yeah. and it's one of those things like when you talk about the Disney stage shows, it's one of the things that I actually was a big criticism I heard of Frozen. Mm, um, like it was missing that magic. Out, like it didn't have – so like, for example, um, with Aladdin, everyone's like, how do they do the magic carpet? Yeah. Like, you know, like you sort of don't – it's like a real wow moment. And I do think that her costume change in Let It Go is quite incredible. When it's done well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, which, you know, I guess has, they have to get exactly right. Yeah. Right? It is really clever. Yeah. Definitely. Um, and stuff like that. But I think that there was this criticism that there wasn't that moment of like, I don't know how they did that kind of thing. There really wasn't though. No. Like that didn't happen. So in Poppins, I think there's two really – There's well, there's a few. There's the carpet bag as you talk about as well. But um, when Bert taps – Across on the proscenium for stepping time, which he's just he's just wearing a harness. It's just that, but it's so it's lit really well. So it it really does. You can't see the harness, obviously, and also like the the musical moment. Then is like there's a lot of suspense. Like it's exactly. just very. It's a beautiful moment. And that also they build. he stops upside down at the top and sings and upside sings down and taps yes. upside down so incredible and like those prosceniums are so high off the ground and so they're like high. 20 meters up yeah. so it's it's impressive whoever plays Bert as we said you've got to be able to yeah yeah incredible tap upside down and of course at the end when Mary leaves she flies out over, over the, the audience, audience. Over like, the audience. Just yeah. think about that. Yeah. That's like taking the chandelier magic so much further. Exactly. So much further. Exactly. It's, I remember that moment and as an adult I was like, I have no fucking clue how they're yeah. doing this, man. Which like, is just like a very good, again, a just very, great a very good um, harness system. And, that's it. Yeah, and that's clever all lighting. it is. Yep. yep. And the lighting, really well done. It would be just like I imagine like if you turn the lights on in Cirque du Soleil, you'd be like, oh, I see. <laughs> yes, 100%. <laughs> and it's just the same, right? I mean, they'd be, yeah, it, it's so true. Yeah. yeah it's, like, it's tricks, right? It's tricks. Yeah. Um, so I have a note that the song Spoonful of Sugar, they wrote a specifically like Julie Andrews wasn't interested in doing the film necessarily. And so they wrote that song specifically to like, and it was inspired by Robert Sherman's kids were receiving their polio shots. Mm, I like that. Yeah. And I thought it was a, an apropos um, note to talk about now. And they get your shots, guys. Yeah, exactly. They said to him it didn't hurt because the medicine was placed on a sugar cube and tasted like candy. So that was the inspiration for the song, which I thought was really Yeah, really I love cute. that. Yeah. That is cute. Yeah. Um, Dick Van Dyke, um, before he, of course, was Bert in the film. Yes. Um, didn't have much experience with singing and dancing before playing Bert. Did you know this? I did know this. Yeah. Which is amazing really to me because watching that film you just think, well, this is a guy who's been doing it his yeah. whole life. He'd never had any dance training before he played Bert and he was really quite nervous and then he just like. Just did it. Did it ever since, yeah. right? Like that was really Still the now. start of his, yeah. Yeah. Incredible career. Like, yeah, yeah that's, I thought that was quite amazing. But, like, that would never happen today. No. No, oh, actually, that's true. It would. Oh, if, if you were James Corden, it would. Fucking uh, James Corden, man. <laughs> one of, we should, of course, mention one of the great stories about the film, um, which I'm sure we mentioned in the My Fair Lady episode, which is that Julie Andrews, of course, was in the original uh, stage production of My Fair Lady yes. as Eliza, was then not cast in the film because yes. she wasn't famous enough. No. Uh, and it was the producer, Jack Warner, who made that decision. Yes. and um, Jack Idiot Warner. Yeah. And so she lost the part to Audrey Hepburn. And, A famous singer. Yes, famous singer. <laughs> and, of course, um, Mary Poppins was instead her feature film debut. Yeah. 
And um, and she killed it. Absolutely. So she, it was up against My Fair Lady at the Oscars the year that they were both released. And um, She won, didn't she? She won Best Actress at the Oscars. My Fair Lady did win a lot of Oscars that year. It won Best Picture, didn't it? It did, yeah. yeah. Um, it was sort of split amongst them. Like Mary Poppins won Best Song. It won Best um, – the score was in two parts, so they both won Best Score. Yeah. Um, but, yes, but Julie Andrews won Best Actress as Mary Poppins. And in she also won the Golden Globe. And famously right. when she won the Golden Globe, she said, and finally my thanks to a man who made a wonderful movie and who made this all possible in the first place, Mr. Jack Warner. <laughs> it's like the shade. She's a dame. Isn't that amazing? Oh. Uh, but, yeah, the film was nominated for 13 Academy Awards and won five. Okay, I don't think it deserved any of that. It's just, oh, come on. It's just boring. Best song and best score. And she won Deserved Best Actress. She was great. Yeah. It's just like, what is that film? I think the other ones were like, it was like a best visual effects or something and stuff like that. Oh, yeah, cool. Well, the animation is cool. It's really fun. It's fun. It was the only film of Walt Disney's to garner a Best Picture nomination at the Oscars in his lifetime. Yeah. Yeah. I loved reading that. Like when he wanted to make this, he'd only made Snow White. Like when he first approached Pierre Travis, she was like, who are you? Like who even are you and why should I trust you? Which is very fair. Like, and this, he'd been like trying to get this in development for years. For Absolutely. a long time. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Um, I also thought um, this was fun. So some of the profits from the movie were helped to um, fund the Disney World monorail system. Monorail. And because of that. <laughs> monorail. Because of that, the system um, was is named Marpo. Oh, yeah. Like Mary Poppins. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh and that's, sorry, that's the safety system that's on all the Disney monorails. And, Which is um, just tied together by magic. Yeah. <laughs> and also all of the Walt Disney World Railroad steam locomotives are fitted with a boiler safety device marked MAPO. That's cool. Yeah. That's really cool. Well, I don't know if I'm pronouncing that correctly, uh, but whatever. MAPO. I read that um, P.L. Travers sort of was um, inspired for the name of the character by they they had a book or something, her and her sister as children, and it, it was, like, inscribed with a person's name. It was M. Poppins. And ah. they were really fascinated by the idea of an M. Poppins. That's like, cute. Because it's a cool name. Yeah, absolutely. So then she created this. I think it was, like, maybe based on her aunt or someone anyway. Yeah. Um, but that that's cute. Did you read much about the fact that she adopted a son in yeah. late? Yeah, well, when she was it's 40. Not, it's not clear if she might have been a lesbian, right? Like, she lived with a woman for quite a while. She lived with a woman and it was ambiguous. But she had lots of she had lots of male relationships as well. Yeah. Like I think she was quite – she never married. No. Um, for the time, quite a liberated woman. Seems yeah. to be quite sexually active. Yeah. And then, yeah, she um, adopted, adopted this, a man. The, who was like the grandchild of like Yates's biographer or something. Yeah, and so apparently his brother was then adopted by He's, some other like his twin brother yeah it was like blood brothers yes except that they didn't shoot each other but like they were both they were both adopted by like other writers yes like in london i wonder if this was like a meeting where all the writers got together and they're like well we've got these kids who wants one and you just pick a puppy from the litter right yeah but that that kid thought that story was crazy um should we talk some gateway songs yes you stole i mean i only have two but you we have the same one. Gateway songs. My first one is Chim Chim Cherie. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. It's a great song. It's a great song. It's the one that won Best Song at the Oscars. Yes. Yeah. It's the opening of the show and then they do it again later, maybe the ending as well, like it maybe bookends yeah, the show. Yeah, it's a beautiful song. Beautiful. And Bert does a great job yeah. always. Um, and the other one for me is Step in Time. I will always love this song. Yeah, yeah, you love that, don't you? I love it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. I've also got obviously Supercolifragilisticexpialidocious. Mm. And I do think that that – 
I hate that song. But the Broadway arrangement's very good. Sure. Well, and, sorry, the musical arrangement. I shouldn't say Broadway. Um, and I've also got Spoonful of Sugar as a bit of a classic um, uh, number. Because you're boring. Um, I'm going to link to a bunch of recordings. Yes. So I'm going to link to the film soundtrack. Yes. I'm going to link to the Australian cast recording. I know. Which is And that's fantastic. great because Verity Hunt Ballard is so good. So, I actually think it's a really good cast recording. It is. It's a great um, cast. Yeah. The original London cast. Um, yes. And then there's a – so – I think it's interesting that they didn't sort of do a Broadway cast recording, but they have now done another London cast recording. Yeah, for the new. Um, yeah, yeah. But so it's the it's called the it's like the 2020 London cast recording. There's heaps. I'm also going to link to the Mary Poppins Return soundtrack because that's come out in the last few years. Did you oh, yeah. see that? No, but Shana Reagan did, and they yeah, loved it. I saw it. It was cute. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking Shane of Lou Manuel, well, Shane keeps every time we watch like in the Heights or whatever. Shane's like, and that's the guy from Mary Poppins, Reagan, and she's like, oh, what? Right. Um. Yeah. It's just funny. Interesting. Yeah, I, I had no interest in seeing it. I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> I saw it at the movies, actually. You didn't. I did. I'm a nerd. Because it was Lin-Manuel. Yeah, I get that. Yeah. That's why. <laughs> that is 100% the reason why. You always shame me into this, but, like, I don't like Mary Poppins, so why would I watch a sequel? And <laughs> why, why did she come back? List? Like, didn't she do a good job <laughs> fixing the family in the first place? Yeah, Did true. she have to come back and fix them again? Well, I think the idea is it was uh, – so it's a couple – it's like they're – Grown up. Yeah. And she has to help them. Okay. Can I, can I, this is, I don't even know why I'm mentioning it, but the strangeness that the character of Mary Poppins leaves halfway through and then comes back, just like in Sound of Music. Mm, yeah, they're just like, I've had enough of these children, I'm going to leave yes. for a bit and then come back. Oh, and that will be the beginning of Act Two. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Interesting. interesting. Yeah. Um, so you decided you like Mary Poppins less than when you started researching. I'm, I've been trying to rack my brains as to why I would have put it on the list and I can only think that it must have been that, like, well, we should do Mary Poppins. Yeah. Because I don't like it. <laughs> yeah. I'm keen to see it again, I think. I would watch it again because yeah. it is, it's one of those shows that yeah, like watching on, it is really a You pleasure. know, on stage, I yeah. think, like, I'm keen to see on it again. On stage, would you see it? Like rather than rewatching the film, yes. Why would you rewatch the film? <laughs> yeah, for sure. No, if look, if anyone listening has the opportunity to see a production, particularly a professional production, it's definitely worth it because the magic is magic. Yeah, like certainly our Australian list, our Australian listeners should go and what see the production, production next year, the new yep. Australian tour. Definitely. They haven't announced the cast yet, but I'm keen to see. I don't think it will be me. <laughs> I haven't heard from them. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear oh dear but yeah mary poppins um yeah it's a show it's a musical yeah absolutely yeah and um again much more recent than a lot of people think mid-2000s um, yes yeah one of those ones that is a, a movie to musical rather indeed. than musical to movie indeed yeah. always a fun fact <laughs> <laughs> all right that's enough uh we'll see you next time for a mixtape okay goodbye bye, bye.